This is Witch Car Weekly. <laughs> you, if you've just tuned in, which you have, you have no choice because we've only just started pub you know, publishing the recording at this point, you'll be wondering what the hell is going on. I'm not going to tell you. It's the element of, um, of surprise. Uh, my name is Daniel Gardner. This is Witch Car Weekly. I'm joined by two of our favourite esteemed guests, Tim Robson and Scott Newman. Let's talk about, you know, just motoring stuff, really. I mean, I don't think I need to be any more specific than that, do I? Um, but I will be. I'm going to talk about specific subjects. Now, this week, gentlemen, um, we've had some interesting news come across the channels. Not all of it confirmed. I have to make a point of that. This is a speculation at this stage. Hopefully a little bit more information soon. Um, but there's been a number of stories that on the face of it appear to be either big news or significant news, but then actually turns out to be not such a big story after all. That's the established theme. Let's now get into the first of those. Um, Scott, let's talk about Toyota Yaris Gazoo Racing. I don't even know which way around you're supposed to say it because a lot of places are talking about is the Toyota GR Yaris, but by, you know, make model variant, you should really say Toyota Yaris GR. Which is I it? Uh, I think it's the Toyota GR Yaris and perhaps it would help uh, in this case. Makes no sense. Well, it's because Gazoo Racing is Toyota's fast car outlet. So therefore you do a BMW M3, you do a Mercedes AMG C63. So perhaps it would help if you thought of it in those terms. Uh, it does help my pitiful mind. Thank you. Oh, Robbo wants to ask I a question. Reckon, I do, Mr. Mr. Newman, sir. <laughs> you, are a fellow, you are a fellow gaming nerd from way back. Now uh -huh. I would argue that you and I, and probably a lot of our generation, got a lot of our education about fast car stuff from Japan via things like Gran Turismo. Yes. What is wrong with TRD? Why did they change that? Everybody knew that. It's Are you mad? News. What do you mean? It's, it's, it's turd. It's turd. <laughs> That's why they changed it. Yeah, it no, is a bit weird. racing developments. It just goes back forever. Mm. Easy to understand. They they built that brand up over four generations of us slaving over computer consoles. Same with Rallya. Other brands like that that are synonymous. Nismo is another great one. Why did they go away from TRD? What I, I Gazoo Racing. We're racing nerds. We understand. But my mum doesn't know that. You know, my brother doesn't know what Gazoo Racing was. If it hit him in the butt with a Gazoo. It yeah, exactly. That's the, the weirdest name in the world. That's the challenge for them, isn't it? And that's, I mean, we'll get on to what they're doing, but uh, the reason they're doing what they are doing, which we'll get to, is they need to establish the brand. They need to get, they need to make it synonymous with, I suppose, AMG and, you know, even Lexus F would, stuff like that. It needs to be second nature. You know, you could, as you, meant, as you say, you could easily get around that by just saying Toyota Racing. That's fairly that's fairly self-explanatory. And you already had Toyota Racing Europe, Toyota Racing Developments, Toyota Racing Australia, USA. Um, but far be it from us mere mortals to question the might of um, Akio Toyota-san um, in his wisdom uh, for creating the GoFast brand. Um, but it's very exciting. So let's get into the reason why it's exciting. So the big question was how much... The Toyota GR Yaris obviously is very exciting. We've talked about that before. It's a homologation special kind of it's an all-wheel drive baby hot hatch lots of power that's really cool but the question was how much was it going to cost because if it was 70 grand or something then it became an irrelevance and uh, i did a story a while back looking at the exchange rates and stuff like that and it kind of looked hard to see how they were going to get here under 50k and they have sort of <laughs> 
So they announced this week that the first 1,000 GR Yaris's will be offered at 39,950 drive away. And I have, you know, as one of the very lucky smug people who've actually driven the GR Yaris at the end of overseas last year, at that price, it's a cracker. It's a really, really cool little thing. Um, trouble is, after those first 1,000 are, so, are sold, it will revert to 49,500 plus on-roads. And then if you want the performance pack version, which they are calling the Rally, which is quite a, probably quite a cool decision, um, it will be more again. So you're probably looking at over 55 grand on road. At so it's gone from one of the most affordable hot hatches to one of the most expensive and overpriced. Exactly. And to be fair, I haven't talked to Toyota about this yet. I, uh, while I was talking to them, the question didn't sort of through my mind, but it's a weird strategy because like, what's the car worth now? Like if you're surely either, if it's worth 50 grand, surely though everyone's going to just be a speculator fight for those early cars and try and flip them for an easy 10 grand profit, 15 grand profit. But then if the car's worth 40 grand, why would anyone buy it at 50 grand? Because you're going to, if you do want to sell it again, it's going to be worth, you know, 35. Exactly. So exactly. It's kind of, I don't kind of see, like I, I get the logic that they're, they're making a bold statement to try to establish the brand, but uh, I don't, I think they're more, more likely is the speculators and that's, Sad, because if you're wanting to establish the brand with customers, you want the diehards to have it. And certainly some diehards will, but everyone will, yeah, everyone will be trying to flip these things to make a quick of course. You know, 10 grand, which defeats the purpose of, then you've flooded the used car market. You've defeated the purpose clearly of making it aspirational. And why, why have they um, implemented this strategy with the second car? Why didn't they do it with the Supra? You know, if, they, if this is a, the way to establish the brand, surely the number one model is the one to do that with. And also, this because is kind BMW of- Because BMW wouldn't let them. Ah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it also creates the same problem that is exactly the reason officially brands won't allow dealerships to discount because it damages resale value and it, it it wrecks the overall brand, the overall brand value. So um, they're effectively discounting publicly, which is something they try and discourage dealerships from doing behind closed doors. So I, I, the strategy just doesn't make any sense to me. Perhaps you know I, don't, I wouldn't mind being proved, proven wrong on this one. But Robert, yeah, you're, the, you say, you're by far the wisest of us all. Can you um, can you shed any light on this topic? <laughs> By wisest, do you mean oldest, young fella? That's um, hey, 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 don't you put words in my mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I actually wonder once they get, you know, if they get through the first thousand cars, what would demand, what the demand will be for the GA Yaris um, after that? Will they have saturated the, the market to the point where they'll just have the 50 grand car for those people who want it? Um, they, they throw it out. Is it a spoiler for other brands? We know that Hyundai's got the i20N. Uh, on the horizon, um, they want to get back into that into that high hat space. They, I mean, the Corolla sixteen hundred was a, a you know the, the twin cam Corolla of the nineties was our go to car. Um, they haven't been really haven't been in the space uh, you know this hard for a long long time. So yeah, look, we, we threw out that speculator, didn't we, Scott? That the the, uh, the pricing was going to be a bit low, and we had we had long arguments over over Zoom about whether it would uh, come to fruition, and uh, we were both proven right. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we'll to, yeah, you're, you're right. Though. I mean, the logic, you know, you, yeah, you're right. We're both like, I, logically, I didn't see how it would come under fifty, and I guess it can't because that's its normal price. But you're also spot on in that. Yeah, they had to do something remarkable, so they they've, I mean. 
one of the other journos on the calls threw out a number of like if they actually want to if they're taking the hit you know basically they're, they're getting rid of all their profit they're giving up something like ten million dollars that's you know that's ten thousand dollars times a thousand cars um that's a lot of money to spend you know and yeah. i mean they, they explained yeah. it like this is they want this to be a long player like a 10 year 20 year project like they did with hybrid so this is the first rung and they're happy to take a hit on these early cars because you know there'll be a presumably gr corolla and a gr hilux and a gr maybe a gr rav4 or something like that you know further down the track so you know in that in those terms i suppose it's a small investment yeah and it's toyota i mean they've got they've got squillions of dollars haven't they and and you know of all the brands in australia that can cop a lost leader it's it's the big t isn't it obviously such it's an a, interesting thing, isn't it? Because they are so driven by boardroom, yes. you know, cost saving on every single washer. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it is, they are cars by committee. Yet at the top, you've got Akia Toyota, who is a mad car guy who thumps the table and demands redesigns. Uh, I'm sure he had a, <clears throat> a big hand in, in the Yaris and how, how it's going to perform. And I wonder even if the, the feedback from Australia when we wrote about the fact that the performance back wasn't coming when Scott went to drive it. Uh, everyone was up in arms going, what the hell's the point of having a hot hatch if you can't have all the good, good, the good stuff on board? Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's such a juxtaposition. Uh, if it is a long play, as you suggest, uh, a 20-year play, that, that, that does make sense. I still worry about the name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the, the GR Yaris Rally is kind of, I mean, that's the one to have. Like, because you get, just as a refresher, you get, Torsen LSDs, front and rear, you get uh, bigger wheels, better tyres, stiffer suspension. So if you really want your rally car for the road, like spend the money because it's bloody cool. Um, but, and there's only going to be two, 250 at, le at least initially. The trouble I have is still, like it's such an exciting car. And I, you know, as a petrol head, I hope they sell all of them. I hope it's a smash hit because that will encourage others to do other well. So yeah, go and buy one because it's really, really cool. But you look at the Australian market, like what don't Australians buy? They don't buy manuals, they don't buy three doors and they don't, don't buy small hatches. Like, you know, there's a reason there's not, you know, there's no more three door, yeah. you know, the five door, the, fi the Fiesta ST is five door now. The Renault Megane is five door now. The Renault Clio is five door now. All those three doors disappeared because there wasn't a demand for them. And, you know, Focus yeah. ST yeah. is auto now and they're all autos. Um, Megane is yeah. now EDC. They're all EDC. So it's just... I really hope it works, but the market is against Yeah, me. I think there's still a bit of a legacy that Australian car buyers are such diehard performance enthusiasts, they'll take anything that they're presented with. And that used to be true, but it's changed so much now that there are caveats. And as you say, Scotty, you know, like I30N did unbelievably well, given it was available only as a manual oh. from, from launch. But even so, you know, wait until the, the DCT arrives and then we'll see the, the true effect of only yeah. launching with a manual. It'll you know, be 80-20 80, or something. 80-20, maybe 70-30, you'd think auto manual. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's, so, no, there's no word from Toyota of, of producing a, a GI Yaris in, in auto at the moment. No, I mean, I don't even know if they can because you'd need, it's such a weird package because it's, it's, you know, from 1.6 litres, it's got 200 kilowatts and 370 metres. They also confirm the specs, which is like, you look at a Fiesta ST and that's got 100 kilowatts per litre and you think that's amazing. But this has another 53 kilowatts from a, another 100 cc's. It's, and, and to drive, it's incredible. Like there's no lag. It's super talky, super responsive. It's a 
it's a cool little thing. Um, yeah, but uh, I guess we'll wait and see. The uh, orders start um, midday next Wednesday, September twenty-three. That's when the order books open. So who knows? Maybe in two two days two days after that, we'll be eating our word because they'll be oversubscribed, like they were with the Supra. So. You will hear about it here first. I look forward to reporting on the figures of the new Toyota uh, GR Yaris, um, and which we will, of course, be discussing. But for now, we're going to move on to something else. Um, our second in the hock tease theme of which car we this week is Nissan 400Z. Oh, what an exciting thing this was. After 25 years of teasing the latest model, <laughs> they have finally revealed the Nissan 400Z, except they haven't because they haven't revealed the production version. This is a prototype. And with the news comes the revelation that the production version is probably at least another two years away. So this may, once again, like the Yaris that appeared to be a cheap car, that it actually isn't. Um, we thought we were gonna get a new generation of the famous Z car and we actually have. So thank you. This is our second um, exciting slash not exciting news story for the week. This is the point where we, um, don't we just twist the key and Robbo's back and we just let him waddle off and, and rant here? <laughs> okay. Go, Robbo. Cynic, cynical marketing play. <laughs> <laughs> Distracting. Look over here. <clears throat> Company in trouble. <clears throat> what? Um, yes, look, it's a... Uh... Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, I'm going to wind right back to sort of 350Z days. Um, there was sort of speculation back around then that uh, uh, Nissan would look at do some, look at do something, uh, look at doing something like an MX-5. So around that sort of thirty-five to forty thousand dollar mark, lightweight, affordable. Uh, but then down the road comes the three hundred and fifty Z, bigger engine, still rear, rear drive, but sort of really quite expensive, so sixty grand in the day, and it's only ever gone up from there. So for me, that was a bit of a miss straight out of the gate. Looking at that, that the um, the, the, the you know, um, who would buy the car and, and what you know, what sort of intention it had behind it. Uh, rolled forward to the three three seventy Z, pretty much the same car, new skin. New, uh, almost the same engine, you know, updated here and there, but uh, nothing much to report. It's just what will hell eight years old now, Scott? Maybe something like that. Uh, the three seventy Z, uh, two thousand and eight, it first appeared, so it's Holy coming up man. to be a teenager, <laughs> almost high school age. Yeah. Um, it so, wasn't a lot yeah. into the three fifty. So I mean, if you look at it like that, it's mm. about seventy five yeah. years old. <laughs> so yeah well you can trace the fm platform i think back to 99 or 2000 something like that that's the uh, yeah you'll you'll see you'll see stamped parts on that car from that so looking at the 400z um look my industry take on it is that it is a bit of a um bit of a red herring a bit of a, a bit of a distraction for a company that's in a lot of trouble um 350z was green lighted in the US at a time when the com company was in terrible trouble. Um, they had no real product. They sort of, they decided to hang their hat on the whole 240, the whole Z thing. Um, and it was almost a surprise smash hit uh, for them. And they, you know, it was done on the, the, literally on the smell of an oily rag. They sort of, you know, at the show that it was revealed, I think it was, I think it was uh, New York. I, I can't remember, but they sort of pushed it out from under the curtain with a man behind it. You know, it was, it was oily rag stuff uh, and, and the pro and the sort of the gamble worked and they went on, went on and it's done. Okay. They've done nothing with it since. Um, and, you know, in, into coronavirus times, into the modern era, Nissan's in trouble again. It is, it's looking for $5 billion plus dollars in cost savings. It's firing people left and right. Uh, it's got a very old model range across all of its, uh, all of its categories. Um, 
so why are they doing a why are they doing the 400z it's, it literally is look over here we're doing something exciting i do feel a bit mean in saying that because looking at some of the finer design details the interior looks pretty cool the exterior there's some real nice elements there they do connect back to the old the old ways but let's not beat around the bush this car is merely a reskin of something that launched you know the better part 12 years ago mm. they've given it a right. lot more power yeah i mean that's the thing it's I'm with you. Like in a way you look at it and go, Oh, well, there's nothing really new here. Like, it, and it's, you're right. Again, it's going to be done for a dollar 50 because you know, the, they'll update the FM platform. It seems, um, so basically they'll update the 370 Z platform. They'll modify it's different. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, engine will probably be the VR 30 double D double T, which is in the infinity Q50 Q60. So obviously your emissions is done. Your development's done. Yada yada yada. That all slots straight in pretty much. You know. They don't use the same stability control program. Oh god, yeah. Hopefully uh, they spend a bit more time tweaking the chassis. So, um, so glad you said that because that was a horrific car. Wasn't I know. It? Oh my lord. Um, so <laughs> they can they can build it quite cheaply, and then but then on the other side, I'm like, you know, come 2030, we'll still have a twin turbo, manual gearbox, rear drive coupe to drive, and that's kind of cool. Like I don't know. At, you know, they could have been forward thinking and made it an EV and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe that's what they should have done. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, as a petrol head and an enthusiast, at least we'll still have a, something old school. To so drive what you're saying, Scotty, is good old Gordon has wasted his time developing the last of the true, great, naturally aspirated That's V12 right. This one's beaten him to it. Exactly. All they need to do is just reskin an old dinosaur, bolt yeah. a couple of turbos on it, and they've kind of they might outlast good old Gordon's. Do we like F1 the way it looks? The four hundred Z. Um, and I uh, like it's pretty bluff. The rear, I don't. I'm not 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 sold in the rear. Jury's out because it does still look like a prototype to me at the moment. I'd love to see how that evolves into a production version. It might do an Audi TT and not change at all, or it could end up with horrible chrome bits all over it and look like some. Yeah, $2.50 showroom version. So jury is very much out on that, but the early signs are really good. I, I think it's it's bold enough, as Robert was saying, it's got enough retro and look back to the past, but also enough um, forward looking um, styling as well. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a bloody good looking thing, but there was nothing wrong with the look of the 370. You know, that's still a damn good, that's aged so beautifully. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, the one thing, thing they've they, got right. When they slashed the price on the 370 to $49,990 with that N Sport version, I drove that last year. And you know, it's agricultural. Like the interior is obviously well, it's a two thousand and eight interior in two thousand and nineteen, but the fundamentals of the car were still enjoyable. And that's what kind of Hiroshi Tamura, the guy who's developing it, says that you know, in a roundabout way, I'm paraphrasing, but those elements are timeless. If you've got a front engine, powerful rear drive car with manual gearbox, like it's inherently fun, basically. So, I mean, the big problem with Nissan though was when Andy Palmer was there, they showed that awesome Nissan IDX thing. Yeah. That was basically a modern was Datsun gorgeous. 1600. Yeah, it fully. looked awesome. It have been a yep. 1.6 turbo. They had the engine because it was in the Pulsar and blah, 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 blah. And they, you know, they obviously got cold feet and maybe that would have been a loss leader, but it would have been so exciting and taken on the 86 and been retro, but also forward looking. But, you know, they had bigger yep. fish to fry, I suppose. 
Yeah, a Will million percent. Be... I, I think I think Nissan. Sorry, Dan, to tell you, I think Nissan has a real issue of tripping over its own feet. There is a you talk to industry insiders, and the company has a policy. Just the this, the way that they forge through on strategy um, through the upper echelons of management. Um, a great project can be led from the bottom, uh, as in the the four hundred Z stuff. This one's got the green light, but how many like the IDX haven't? Uh, been allowed to go through to fruition. I, yeah, I also talked to people that suggest suggest that uh, Infinity uh, gets handicapped because any any great ideas, any great design, any great technology uh, is literally poached by the mm. by head office uh, to use across in Nissan. So it's a it's kind of a behemoth company that stumbled along for this far. The numbers that we talk about, I mean, yeah, the 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 X Trail. Uh, is one of the best, I think is the best selling SUV in the world. So it kind of lives off the back of that stuff. Um, but it is a behemoth. It bleeds money. It's, it's, it is in a bit of trouble in, in the modern era. But even to the, 80, to the IDX, to that back to the 50 grand 370Z, we kind of go back to where we could they could have started with the 350, right? Like yeah. affordable. My final thought, take on the on, MX5. final thought on the whole subject for me is, does Nissan even need this car? Um, if you look at it, Forgive me, Nissan, like you do a cracking job. You know, there's no doubt that your lineup of vehicles is popular for good reason. And that reason is they are, I'm sorry, they're a bit cheap and cheerful. You know what I mean? There's nothing particularly special about them. They do the job. They provide a really, really compelling lineup for people who just look at vehicles as white goods and unnecessary evil. If you look at something like, you know, Mitsubishi does exactly the same thing with its ASX and all its, frankly, quite dull cars that sell their absolute tits off to people who don't really care about cars. They don't have a halo model. They don't need to say, look at what we can do, now go and buy something boring. Does Nissan even need a sports car anymore? You know, like the GTR, what does it do for the brand overall? Probably not a lot. Yep. And then uh, I've, you know, we haven't even touched on the fact that they're part of an alliance that should be looking at the best from Renault, the best from Mitsubishi um, to bring in and make the ultimate 30 grand sports car because they've certainly got the manufacturing uh, breadth and, and knowledge and, and cost saving. They could do anything they wanted. They just don't. 100%. Will there even be a brand called Nissan in two years when the 400Z is <laughs> supposed to do anything in production form? Who knows? Once again, hopefully we're still here and we'll be talking about it. But, you know, Strange times, who knows? No guarantees. Let's finish off the chat, gentlemen, with a third and final. Looks to be exciting news, but not probably isn't as on first inspection. Um, this is uh, not confirmed, but there are reports coming out overnight that uh, Bugatti, Bugatti has been sold to Rymac or is being sold to Rymac for the princely sum of uh, a share in the company. And of course, who owns Bugatti at the moment is the Volkswagen Group. Um, yes, so the, 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 the speculation or the report is that Bugatti will be handed over to an electric car specialist um, uh, for an increased share in Rimac uh, to Porsche. Fair swap, good exchange, makes sense. What do we think? Yeah, look, it's interesting. A lot of the industry, again, thinks that the Bugatti purchase um, by Volkswagen was a bit of a, an ego trip from the former boss Fernand Pike. Uh, peak, I should say. Uh, he's, he did a lot of stuff, didn't he? He bought, bought uh, Ducati on a whim. He bought uh, Bucati, um, Bentley, like all of these <laughs> all of these brands that sort of fit under the, under the Volkswagen umbrella. Um, the famous uh, V12 Volkswagen 
that escapes my uh, mind right at the moment, but uh, ba yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, ridiculous with a, engineering Bentley with a VW badge. <laughs> and that went so well. Um, but look, yeah, so yeah, the, you can get them for like seven thousand pounds in the UK. Yeah, with like not many miles. Apparently they're, a, yeah, but apparently they're a complete bear in terms of <laughs> trying to actually fix the things. Um, yeah, look, it's yeah, in, interesting play. So I think yeah, like like the rest of the industry, Volkswagen has to um, uh, look at the bottom line. Uh, and you know, if, if Bugatti, you know, everything's a sale, right? If, if, if it's a good deal, uh, it also probably talks to, uh, to increase electrical, uh, to increase electrical pre electric presence for Porsche. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's bad news for Bugatti. Like this was, you know, if you, if you talk to Bugatti people, like I know, they would, they, they're the world's most elite brand, you know, they have the world's fastest, most expensive cars, the brand essentially just got given away. Like there was no, there was no cash, you know, Volkswagen gave the brand to them for an increased, um, you know, percentage of Remax, sure. But um, yeah, which is a bit of a slap in the face for Big Gaddy. Um, it's- Yeah, but is it though? Is it? Is I, it not? I, I can't see how Bugatti could have gone on no. with its current trajectory. How do no. you, how do you top a V16 quad turbo W16. petrol engine. Like, you know, sorry, W16. Like, where do you go from there? You know what I mean? Like yeah, nine exactly. liters, yeah. V20, I mean, you know, like it, you can't go. So to me, electrification is the only thing that that, that brand can do. Um, and the only way they're gonna stay at the, the head of the, the, the game, arguably, is by partnering with a world leader. And no, it's Primax a, it's a, it's a smart move by, um smart move by VW because they get rid of a brand that doesn't really contribute Stalled. anything. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really contribute anything. Um, and I mean, the Chiron only really existed because they agreed to write off the development costs of the Veyron. So otherwise it would never have made any money. Um, so they did that. And then they get, you know, Rimac is there in everything. Like um, they supply, you look at any, electrified car or electric car that's coming around and it's it's probably going to have their their um, yep. fingerprints on it so they're world leaders i mean it's funny that the the um company founder mate i think mate or mate or remac yeah. he's only 32 mate mate mate, mate. g'day mate mate um, i know 32 <laughs> so yep. i hope i've yep. achieved as much and as him when i hit 32 <laughs> <laughs> Very who funny. are you benjamin uh, button to, to that to that point, Scotty, um, I, I read a good quote from, from Mate, or, or mate Rimac. Uh, he told uh, Automotive News in Europe last year that he just wants to be that tier one supplier of electric components to people. Mm. Um, any car, any, any number of cars that they make, they will, he says, look, yeah, we don't want to go into volume. We don't want to compete with our customers. Yeah, they don't care. We make less than 100 cars a year. Um, so, you know, he's, he's, a smart, he's a smart bloke. There's no point, there's no point going into the car, car manufacturing game to lose money when you can sell bits to other guys to lose money. He's kind of done exactly what Elon Musk wanted to. Like Elon Musk mm. wanted to just make people make electric cars, but no one wanted his tech. So he just had to start Tesla, which is, I believe. Mm. But so mate's done the same thing. He's, you know, he doesn't, he does make a car. There's a concept one and a concept two that they do sell a few of, but he doesn't care about making cars. He just wants to provide leading edge battery technology to Aston Martin, you know, Mercedes AMG, yep. Volkswagen, yada, yada, yada. Um, and they do a bloody good job of it, it seems, because everybody's on board uh, and it's making him a lot of money. Good on him.
Uh, and yeah, the only well, have uh, a look at. I was going to say, have a look at there. Like, so there's not only Porsche, uh, it's like 15% stake in the moment. Uh, Hyundai is like 14% in the company. Uh, massive interest from the Chinese as well. So he has certainly figured out that selling, selling bits to other people uh, is the way to do it. But it, interestingly, too, that uh, this article points out that um, Bugatti made a profit last year. So I suppose oh. selling a $3 million US uh, car doesn't, <laughs> doesn't hurt the bottom line. And they actually sold 82 of the things last year. Oh, right. believe. Yeah, isn't I mean, that crazy? So when there's money, the, there's the money global for... situation, financial situation is in. There'll always be rich people yeah, wanting billionaires to always have billions amount. of dollars. Yeah. Um, I just can't wait until the the uh, the founder of Rimac turns fifty because then we can start referring to him as old mate. Um, <laughs> um, so just to recap, the reason I think the reason this uh, fits into our chat theme of uh, apparently huge news that doesn't end up being that big after all is currently Porsche owns fifteen and a half percent of Rimac. Um, in exchange for Bugatti, it will get 49%, almost half the company. So basically what you've got is whatever Rimac does with Bugatti, Porsche will have a hand in it. As you say, it's got your fingerprints all over it. Um, the technology will feed back into Porsche cars, which is already going great guns with the Taycan. So at the end of the day, Bugatti's not going to be wound up and shelved somewhere. They'll do something with it because they're not stupid. Everyone still exists. Everyone probably benefits mutually. And the whole world goes on. I think it, on the face of it, it seems like huge news, but actually uh, it, it will only be a small amount of good news that, that eventuates many years down the line. Can I uh, offer what I think they should do next with Bugatti? Please. So, you know, actually, I've come around on the Veyron and the Chiron. I actually, you know, they're a bit of an engineering dead end because, like you say, where do you, if you're chasing numbers, where do you go? To improve, yeah. you need bigger numbers. Um, but I think they did a good job with the Chiron. It's an amazing thing. Still hard to get your head around the idea of spending $5 million on a car. But anyway, um, so what they need to do now, they've kind of done that. They need to bring back the Royale. Remember that 1920s? Oh, yes. It's like the biggest car that's ever produced. Because they were thinking about... What Electric the, Royale. So, yeah. So yeah. Electric, make it massive. But it won't matter yes. because billionaires can still make an, uh, a green statement because it's all electric. But imagine what you could do then if you're not spending the money on getting the powertrain to work because it'll be all just Rimac stuff. Like the yep. quality of the interior, the quality of the design, the quality of the materials. I think they can make them Bugatti a leader, a proper leader and a proper halo. In all that sort of stuff, because then that stuff will feed down. Because if you start it with Bugatti, feeds down to Bentley, feeds down to Lamborghini, feeds down to Porsche. So, please, Bugatti, Rimac, make a new Royale, make it eight and a half meters long, give it seven <laughs> wheels. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yep. That's what Full I. Full Corella Deville style. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely love it. I love it. I, I feel we need to discuss this matter no more. Scott has <laughs> set the world yeah. in motion once Mate, again. Mate, Rimac, you've got my number. Bombs. You don't have my number, but I can get it to you. Yep. Young man. <laughs> Gold. Um, hopefully next week we've got some more actual news to talk about rather than just half an hour of complete <laughs> speculation. <laughs> uh, but no promises. And if that's what you get, that's what you get. A gentleman, Scott Newman, and uh, who I thought was Tim Robson, but apparently Mel Robson today, um, thank you so much for joining the chat. This has been Witch Car Weekly, episode number 70. Can you believe it? Uh, we'll be back for a 71st instalment um, next week. In the meantime, do stay safe. Drive safely if you're indeed allowed to drive anywhere at all. And we look forward to doing it all again next week. Goodbye. See ya.